25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to. They are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the west right tight. That's left. 372 Y sticks. The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. All right, let's go. Tuesday in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go! With the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau. Local agents. Local agents, competitive rates, fast service, friendly service. Deal with somebody one-on-one in a good way at Farm Bureau. Your local Farm Bureau insurance agent. All right. One-on-one. I want to get that insurance tonight. I want to get that insurance tonight. We ought to get the uh, karaoke of that song, Roger, and do a parody of it since it's okay. been a running joke on this show. And I, ever since I revealed that as a youngster, I mistook the meaning of that Hall & Oates song. I thought it was about basketball. <laughs> one-on-one. I want to play that game tonight. Folks, it ain't about basketball. Who who enlightened you, or did it just kind of finally dawn uh, on you? I think it just dawned on me one day. It probably popped up on the radio or something. I went, wait a minute. <laughs> Hold on just I, a minute. <laughs> I remember being about three years old and listening to the radio going somewhere, and a song came on, and I, after it was over with, I said, hey, Daddy, what's honky-tonking? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> Willie Dawkins. Willie Nelson, we go honky talking. Uh-huh. You got the money, honey. I, I love that song. I got yeah. the time. Yes, that's a good one. Don't be surprised if that one pops up on today's show. Thanks for uh, listening. However, you're tuning in. I appreciate you today. Glad you're here. Long way to go. All right, you can be a part of the show. Got the phone line open. Don't fret if you don't know the number. It'll uh, be made available to you shortly. If you're watching the stream online right now on Facebook or on Twitter slash Periscope, there it is right there. 601-995-1059. That is the Divini Equipment phone line. Divini Equipment in Madison and Jackson, your Kubota dealer. So feel free to call. Feel free to text. Text line open to you, 885-ESPN. Twitter open as well. All that. We're blowing and going around here on a Tuesday, second day of the week. Let me ask you a question. Who's the next Jeffrey Simmons? Think about that for a minute and get back to me. I may not necessarily mean that question in the way that you think I do. Who is the next Jeffrey Simmons? Y'all know who Jeffrey Simmons is? Think on it. Think on it. Answer. Feel free. Text, call, email, or tweet. I don't care. Again, you can uh, tweet me at Radio Wyatt. You can text the show 885-ESPN or 885-3776. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Well, well and, but first, before I tell you what I mean by the question, who is the next Jeffrey Simmons? Um, have you kept up the latest on Jeffrey Simmons, the Mississippi kid from Macon, went to Knoxville County High School, 
became a, what, a five-star recruit, signed with Mississippi State. He would have been a senior in college this year, 2019, but he was so good as a freshman in 2016, a sophomore in 2017, and then a junior last year in 2018 that he left school early and was a first-round draft pick. Even after blowing out his ACL in training, pre-combine training, he still was drafted in the first round. Had that not happened, he would have been a top 10 pick, maybe even a top 5 pick. So, see, I got an answer here from Miko on the text line. I said, who's the next Jeffrey Simmons? Miko says... He's not on campus yet, but McKinley Jackson from George County. Both are man-child or man-children. If it's multiple, Miko, I know man-child. We have to say (laughs) man-children. And I'm not familiar with, uh, I'll call him Mr. Jackson from George County. I'll have to look him up. So um, you would think, if I ask you that question, who's the next Jeffrey Simmons? We're talking about a comparison of a player, right? Who's somebody who's a high school kid who's, Bigger and stronger. He's just better and stronger, more physical than everybody else in the line of scrimmage, right? A big lineman tackling everybody. And Jeffrey Simmons at Knoxville County High School, how many state championships they win there? And, you know, who's 290 pounds in high school, going to play in college at 320, and nobody can block him. 6'4", 300 pounds. 6'3", whatever he is, as a defensive tackle. But that's not necessarily what I'm talking about. Here's what I mean. Who's the next person, the next, maybe an athlete, let's just say public figure, <laughs> but let's keep it sports related because it's going to happen again. It may be happening right now. So think here. Let's, let's, let's just open up our minds a little bit and think on this. Who's the next somebody that is going to make a mistake? Maybe it's recorded. Maybe there's video. Maybe there's... You know, I don't know, a screenshot or something, you know, whatever. Go make a mistake. And that one mistake is actually going to be out of character for who that person is. It is. Now, it doesn't take away the consequences. It doesn't lessen the severity of, you know, a person's sin or a person's mistake. But that they're going to make a mistake. And that mistake is going to become public. And that person is going to be judged greatly. They are going to be basically sentenced and prosecuted and charged and all of that. I may have gotten those backwards. By the social media mob. If it's an athlete, it'll be by the fan bases of other schools that that particular player doesn't attend or isn't going to attend. And they're basically going to try and convict him in the public and on the internet and on social media. And and a lot of people are going to want you, because of that mistake that is very public, to believe that that person is now a cast out, a cast away. A thug, an animal, undeserving of forgiveness, undeserving of a second chance. 
that person, they want you to believe the media, the opposition, the other voices, the negative voices who they want you to believe that that person is now branded permanently seared it. We've seared it and branded it across their forehead, tattooed it on their forehead permanently. They are now permanently branded in their one of their worst moments. And it'll never go away, and that is for forever how they're going to be known, and it's who they are. And everybody needs to cast them aside, kick them over in a ditch, and drive off. And by the way, let's sling a little mud on them as we drive away. That's what happened to Jeffrey Simmons. A high school kid from Knoxville County High School. That's what happened to him. Because of a video that surfaced of the incident that he had before he ever got to college. There was a big, just awful looking situation. You know, tens upon mom and somebody having tens upon tens of people. It may have been hundreds out there in a big kind of mob group all circled around in the parking lot of an apartment complex, Roger. And the kid's mother and sister are involved in a physical fist fight. Yeah. What do you do? All right. Well, after it was broken up, he made a poor decision, and he landed a blow on the other woman who was on the ground. Okay. Bad optics. And it's awful optics. It's an awful thing to do. Nobody should do it. And you shouldn't get away with it if you do it. Okay. Anybody with two eyes could have watched it and did watch it and go, well, it's obvious he wasn't actually trying to hurt her because if he was, he would have. I I mean, he's just, but it's still, it's one of those things he did and it's caught. And at that time, at that time, let me just, I'm going to put it out there like it is. I'm going to tell you exactly like it is. When it happened, a whole bunch of your mushy-headed media, your soft, unintelligent, wishy-washy, go whichever way the wind blows if it looks popular, media jumped all over his case, all over him, and branded him as an awful person, a thug, undeserving of any chance whatsoever and should be cast aside. And that anybody at Mississippi State who would consider signing him and giving him an opportunity to play there is obviously a horrible person because they simply want him to come play football for him. Deplorable. Deplorable. I and uh let's and one of the exactly a church lady. Right, well sure. <laughs> one of the one of the main offenders in the media was Andy Staples. I haven't forgotten it. Not forgiven him. I mean, he don't care if I do or not. It's not my maybe it's not even my place to forget or forgive. I'm just saying it's who it was. Who really made a showing of in a personal encounter videoed for everyone to see on social media at the SEC spring meetings in Destin, cornered Scott Strickland, the then Mississippi State AD, in like a little, I don't know, side kitchen. In a chair, and once he realized cameras were going, decided to get up on his box and grandstand and just backed Scott Strickland into a corner over the idea. Good for him. And a bunch of other mushy-headed, soft, wishy-washy, leaf out on the end of a limb, go whichever way the wind blows, media, patted Andy on the back. 
Adam Boyle, way to go. Good job. Virtue signals. Mm -hmm. Virtue signaling. I'm going to stand up on your right. your uh, media carcass. And what? And and here's what happened. We all know the rest of the story. The president of Mississippi State got involved because the kid was already committed and signed right to go to school there. So the president's office got involved. Athletic administrators got involved, and they went and did their own investigating in Macon, Mississippi, in Knoxville County, at the school, teachers, principals church leaders that he went to church with, family members, people in the same apartment complex where the fight happened, talk to everybody they could talk to, look up academic records, do un uncover everything you could possibly uncover in this kid's life, and it all pointed to this. He's never, he's never done anything like this. He's been good in school. And they all say this is not like him. It's not like he goes out and they, he does this every weekend. Imagine if that same microscope was placed on everybody that's playing in college football. Every one of them. Exactly. Heck, I don't even want people doing that in my life, Roger. Yeah. You know, I'm not even, even a if college. Even you stop at 19, I don't want you to. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it things about me and things in my past nobody knows about, but I do. God does. And I'm, yeah, I hope nobody finds out. Be honest with you. So, look, so they do that, and without being pressured into making a, frankly, a popular decision, they decided, no, the kid signed with us, and he made a huge mistake, but we really believe it's not who he is. We believe he's actually a pretty good kid, and we're going to help him be a better kid. And they bring him in, and they put these boundaries around him and basically tell him, look, the entire time that you are here at this university, you, because of this, you can't really be a normal student. There will be no going out on the weekends and going to parties and hanging out and having fun. You, you've got to be a student. You're going to have to go to counseling constantly uh, as a kind of a pre preventative measure if you come here. You're going to do all that kind of stuff, and you're just going to be in the football office and at home, and that's it. He did absolutely everything he was ever asked to do. He was totally, 100% in every way, the entire time he was at Mississippi State, accountable to everyone who gave him a chance. Every one of them. The AD, the coach, the staff, the president, the, the alumni who support him, everything. He was accountable to everybody around him. The entire time he was there for three solid years. And oh, by the way, yeah, he is a great football player. Part of the reason he got better so quickly is because all he did was hang out at the football facility for three solid years. And then it's time to go in the draft. You're a top five pick, Jeffrey, and he blows his knee out. An ACL injury out for the year before the actual draft. And the Tennessee Titans do their research and took him in the first round. And what did he do for them? He has worked his absolute fanny off. He's been accountable to everybody in the Titans organization who has drafted him and given him a chance. Gotten back earlier than expected. He had an ACL tear in February. And two days ago, on Sunday, October the 20th, he made his NFL debut in a game in Nashville against the 
San, Di- uh, San Diego, the Los Angeles Chargers. And oh, by the way, he had two tackles for loss and a sack in the ball game. And he has now, after playing one ball game this season, he has more tackles for loss than three defensive tackles who were drafted ahead of him already. So when I say to you, who's the next Jeffrey Simmons? This is what I'm asking you. Who's the next? And, and it's, it's, it's almost rhetorical. I'm not asking really for you to be specific. I'm trying to make me and you think. Who's the next that's going to make a mistake? And the mushy-headed, soft, wishy-washy media is going to want to brand him and put a tattoo on his or her forehead. Outcast. Thug. Waste of resources. Untouchable. Going to brand it on their forehead. But that person is just going to have made a mistake, and they're going to learn from it. They're going to humble themselves, and they're going to grind away to continue down life's path, try to make something out of their life, and is going to pop up somewhere down the road and be a future NFL Hall of Famer. Yeah, I said it, because that's what's going to happen. Think about that. Who's the next one? All right, we got time. Divinity Equipment phone line. Divinity Equipment in Madison and in Jackson. Your Kubota dealer. Clay on the line. What's up, Clay? Man, I'm just living the dream. Me too. No, Me I, too. I, That's all I do I is checked, dream. I checked out Sunday. Sunday I uh, was watching the Jaguars, and then I was watching some uh, Cowboys. I'm like, oh, my God, I forgot Jeffrey Simmons came back. I looked on there, and I called my son. I said, you know why Mississippi State's? three and four or whatever they are today. <laughs> yeah. He goes, why? I said, because Jeffrey Simmons just dominated his first pro game after a knee surgery <laughs> with four tackles a sack and two of those for loss. Mm-hmm. I said, that's why he takes up two or three blockers in the middle. That's why we can't stop nobody. Life after Simmons, it is not an – Yeah. It's not a – Not taking anything away from – Sweat neighbors, but right, uh, sure. When you got a man in the middle that takes two and three blockers, I mean, and they got every play, every play, yeah. You know, I, I told my son, I said, now we know, and all of a sudden, Earl, uh, Earl Thomas. Now we know why he was all SEC last year. Nobody touched him. He just went and tackled the ball. Mm. This year, he's having to fight off blocks. He's having to, he's having to do what normal linebackers do, not one with Jeffrey Simmons in front of him. Um, <clears throat> but no, I told Bo on his show one day. After the Kansas loss, I said, "Man, this is this is more chrome." We headed down that thing. The guy's a great guy. He may be a great recruiter, but he ain't the coach. And if they give him a third year, he doesn't take that Rutgers job. We may be three and eight next year, which I don't know. I mean, we're gonna. I think somebody said on the last show we got a chance to beat Arkansas. We should have beat Tennessee. Is he gonna get out coached by Chad Morris? How does I hate to say that out loud? Yeah. Is he going to get out coached by Chad Morris? I'll say this. I'll say this. is a complete struggle. Well, think about this, Clay. You know, in order for you to sit here and think that someone can outcoach someone else, they need to have actually shown it. To this point, Chad Morris at Arkansas has not shown you one single solitary time that he can outcoach anybody. Now, 
You go. Has well, Jeremy Pruitt showed you that before? Well, no, no, but <laughs> it's a good point. But I'm gonna say this: Joe Moorhead last year outcoached Gus Malzahn. Now that's one example. Okay, that's one example. And I'm gonna tell you what else. Matt. This year, this year. All right, tell me if I'm wrong. I think this year Joe Moorhead outcoached uh, Bob Stoops, not Bob, Mark Stoops at Kentucky because he started and won with a freshman quarterback. Now, am I wrong about that? He did. Hey, he did. He did a good job there. I, I <laughs> but now Kentucky since that lo- since that loss, Kentucky's fallen off the football. They map, have right? fallen off. They're gone. Well, and they don't have a quarterback. You know, did you see the other night where? Um, Lynn Bowden, their receiver, played quarterback for him the entire game against Georgia, and like I, I don't think they ever had a single passing yard in the game. Did they throw the ball? I think they threw the ball four times. Yeah, maybe. something like that. Isn't that rough? It was, it was ridiculous. But here's the deal. Let me say to go back to your Gus Mal. I could have outcoached Gus Malzahn <laughs> with Simmons Sweat and Abram <laughs> on the defensive side of the football. No, you couldn't. With all the help they get, <laughs> those guys, those guys, those guys. We should have won ten games last year with that defense. There's no, I mean, you scored thirteen points against Florida, ten points. What was it? I mean, yeah, you got the best freaking. Hey, well, let me ask you this. Okay, let me ask you this. In your opinion, Clay, and and I just warn you, the music's about to start, so it may go quick. That's fine. The three of these three games last year: Kentucky, Florida, Iowa. Which two of the three should they have won? Florida and Iowa. I'm totally with you. I'm totally with you. All right, got a split. Good call, man. Thank you. Yeah, Kentucky was legit last year. Just getting started, hour one. I'm in the Farm Bureau studio. I'll get to your texts next. Stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. Rolling on a Tuesday in the Farm Bureau studio. Plenty of coffee in the mug here from High Point Roasters in New Albany. Highpointroasters.com. Get your coffee there. Yeah, look, I said, you know, in the mug from High Point Roasters, so I needed – the mug is from High Point Roasters. They gave it to me. If somebody in Pontotoc made this, Roger, there's a guy in your hometown of Pontotoc who's – what do you call this? It's made out of – when they put clay on a throw wheel, you know, they throw it. What's that called? Ceramics. Yeah, I guess ceramics, but it's like handmade. What's and, it look like? You got to post a picture now. Yeah, I'll right, check it out on the It Facebook is really feed. cool. Yeah, so it's a guy in Pontotoc makes his for his. I am fascinated by that, by the way. Clay, you know, making stuff out of clay, putting it in a kiln, heat it up. Now you got a cup to drink out of. <laughs> I love it. Very biblical. It is, isn't it? Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Isn't that, I mean, it's scripture, but it's also in a song. Yeah. yeah. The potter's oh, house. The, an old hymn. Yeah. All right, so call me on the Divinity Equipment phone line, 995-1059. It's a 601 number. 995-1059. Text. The text line. 885 oh, mug. Oh, yeah. Did you see it on the feed there? It's it's very like earth tone kind of uh-huh. a yes very artsy craftsy 
looks high end. It's great. I use it every single day of my life. Not artsy craftsy. Arts and crafts and the... I know what you wanted to say, Roger. The quality. (laughs) Hey, I know what you wanted to say. You're not fooling me. I'll never make an announcer on Antiques Roadshow. (laughs) Hey, and look, Bill Bill is lighting me up right now on the text line, and deservedly so, because he said, Bill's going, wait, 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 handmade pottery? If it's pottery, what the heck do you think it is? It's all handmade, right, Bill? Maybe you Uh, meant hand-tossed. Hand-tossed. Not (laughs) mine injection molded. Yeah, that's right. There's no injection molded here. He's all, you know what I'm saying, Bill, don't you? <laughs> all right, so feel free, free to text me. And, oh, this is heavy. Hey, it is heavy. And, Bill, I have something that I want to say to you right now. Shut up. Yeah, that's it, Moose Dog. It's have thine own, own way. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. That's it. Okay. Um, unnamed texter texted in and said, poor, poor Jeffrey Simmons. I guess he's being sarcastic. I guess. You know, I was thinking while I was talking about that, who's going to be the next Jeffrey Simmons in terms of who's an athlete that, you know, they make a mistake and you kind of get just basically condemned on social media and on the Internet when, in actuality, we get second chances in life. And a guy like Jeffrey Simmons make make good on it in every way possible to this point. You know another example of that? That would be Laramie Tunsil. Think about Laramie Tunsil. You know, he's from Georgia and um, signs with Ole Miss the last minute, moves his family up there to Oxford, undergoes, you know, lots of things. I mean, think about everything that kid went through, you know, getting to where he is right now. Now, sure, yeah, mistakes. Maybe some of it his own fault. Yeah. So Was that the one with the money pictures or the marijuana uh, pipe. That, Smoke. but see, before right. the whole gas mask marijuana thing, Roger on draft night. Before that, he was the one who the story of his. I guess it was his stepdad, wasn't it? Or maybe his dad. I can't remember if it was his real dad or if it was like a stepdad, but. Had oh, yeah. the altercation with his mom in Oxford, and it gets it makes the news, and then Freeze commented on it, and the other guy starts suing him, and all this, you know. So that was yeah. Tunsil. Tunsil also was the one in the middle there who he got a car to drive around. Big deal, really, seriously. Damn, I mean, big deal. He got a car to drive around. It's a rental car. He eventually gave it back. He just kept it for I don't know a year or whatever it was from a car dealership. But all those things, I mean, it's like every turn of his career at Ole Miss, his name is kind of drugged through the mud. And opposing fans and others and media alike, you know, want to kind of just bury the guy. You know, the video surfaced. Somebody's trying to sabotage him on draft night. And the video surfaces of him smoking marijuana with a gas mask. I mean, all y'all raise your hand if you tried marijuana. Okay, all those people who made fun and laughed and snickered, you know, or, or not he laughed and snickered, to but, another level. but wanted, he did, but wanted to condemn him, right? Yeah. Hey, we, hey, we ain't got the right to do that, period. The end. Don't have the right to do it. And to his credit, even when that happened on draft night, I don't ever remember him losing his cool. It, you know, it hurt him in the NCAA thing, but he went in the postgame, just tried to be truthful about it stuff and 
has always kind of kept a positive attitude, and now he's on a good team in Texas. He finally got traded away from the Dolphins just because they're trying to unload and start over. But there are a lot of examples of that. We just need to understand that the next time something comes along where we have the chance to try to condemn and convict someone in social, in, you know, social media and on the Internet. All right, Divinity Equipment phone. Terrell, what's up, man? Do I have it right? Is it Terrell? Hello? Hey, Terrell, can you hear me? No, Terrell. Terrell, okay, what's up? Uh, trail. Trail. Okay, sorry. sorry, Trail. <laughs> I was reading the yeah. thing on the screen. All right, so well, Trail. Second time I've done that. My bad. <laughs> it's all right. Yeah, I, I, haven't, uh, I haven't listened to the last couple of days, but, you know, this weekend was a big thing with Joe Moorhead taking the Rutgers job. Yep. And I just want to see how you feel about that. And uh, also, if he does take the job, do you think Mississippi State can lure some big-time Yeah, I was my thoughts on this trail are they any of the well, I shouldn't say any. Let me say that I think right now thirteen of the fourteen SEC schools can all go out and attract a whole bivy of good coaches because they're all paying them three to four million dollars a year. And you start paying coaches that kind of money, you can hire them. Okay. But on the Rutgers thing, I just I said it last week. You know, I, it just doesn't pass a smell test to me. And in talking to p- some people behind the scenes, off the air, and in private conversations, none of it really passes a smell test to me. Um, I, I don't think there has been any legitimate contact from Rutgers to Joe Moorhead. Um, and I still am convinced the way a lot of these coaching searches do, the stuff that makes it out in the public is not in t- it, it's not unintentional. They they hired a search firm at Rutgers, okay, and they're paying a search firm. And a search firm is going to find possible candidates to justify their own existence, right? And so they start dropping names here and there, and there are some mushy-headed media out there that will lap it up just so they can maybe have a scoop. From a coaching movement standpoint, Trell, if, if Pat Forty of Yahoo Sports or Brett McMurphy – formerly of ESPN, if those two tweet about it, now I'm listening. But until then, I think it's hot air. And I appreciate your call. Okay. Yep, thanks for the call. Call me anytime. Okay, sounds good. Thank you. Lynn on the phone. What's up, Lynn? Hey, Matt. Hey. How you doing today? I'm great. What's up? Uh, a whole lot of the pot calling the kettle black on, on this Jeffrey Simmons stuff. I think you had a good – Good feed on him, good read on him, and I think we did right by the young man. And uh, I don't know one digging up my past. I know that. And same uh, with me. But with that said, my question, my question for you is: Who are the leaders on this Mississippi State defense? Who's that guy? Who is really that guy yeah. that gets the team's attention and says, well, "We're done. Let's get it going. Let's get it on." I mean. Because I think that was Simmons and Sweat. And Ain't Abel, no doubt about and them it. Guys, and no was, doubt. And Lynn, now we've got a lot of young guys in, in meaningful positions. So I just want to get your take on that. I'm, I'm making a note here, leaders. we got to talk about leaders. And there's no question, the leaders on that defense graduated or got drafted. There ain't no doubt about it. Lynn, thanks for the call. 
Attaboy Roger, I like it. Turn it up. We'll be right back. I'll run short of time. You got no more money, honey. Back on the show, man. I'm going to tell you what. It's already been a good day when Roger threw a little Willie Nelson at you. Almost said I love that honky-tonk piano, man. I'm telling you, man. Doesn't get much better, huh? Good old Willie Nelson. You talk about longevity. (laughs) Hey, and one of my... Don't jinx it now. Yeah, I know. I shouldn't have said that, should I? Uh, one of my favorites is um, Seven Spanish Angels, Willie Nelson and Ray Charles. Oh, oh my God, yeah. Isn't that a great one? I love the Ray Charles is freestyling. Mm, yeah, that's right. Yeah, towards the end. You always of feel like you're getting a performance. You know? That's right. Mm-hmm. Yep. It was, it was genuine with those guys for sure. All right, back on the show. Thanks for tuning in, however you're listening, wherever you're listening, and Maybe tuning in online, watching the stream, Facebook and Periscope. Thanks for that. Uh, the Southpaw on the text line. The Southpaw says, when we were talking about Jeffrey Simmons, says parallel situation going on with the Astros. Help me out. Not familiar. Should know, don't know. So give me some details on that one. Tim texted the show and said Florida has, uh, wait, sorry. Context here. We had, um, who was my first caller today? Remind me of his name. Um, shoot. Oh, man. You've, now that you've called me on it, it, it escapes me. Why are we drawing a blank on his name? It's, I, I just, I'm it, drawing. It wasn't Lynn. No, it was before him. Yeah. Anyway, we were talking about, he said, Coach Moorhead and State should have won Clay. 10. It was Clay. That's it. It was Clay. Thank Sorry, you. Clay. Sorry, we got it. <laughs> No, no need to be sorry. We eventually got it. Clay said that State and Moorhead should have won 10 games last year. So they won eight. And I said, so of these, of these three games, which are the ones they sh- should have won for sure? Kentucky, Florida, Iowa. And he says Florida and Iowa. And I agree because Kentucky was on the road, and they were good. That's a 10. That was a really good, legit, had NFL players, including a first-rounder on it, Kentucky team. But Florida at home, you should have beaten them. Iowa supposed to beat them, right? So I want you to think about something now. I'm not making an excuse. I'm not. But think about this. Clay, call me back and tear me to pieces if I'm wrong about this. But Tim texts the show and he says, against Florida, had the receiver caught the touchdown pass that hit him in the hands. Okay. Right. So they designed and executed and drew up (laughs) a wide-open bomb for a touchdown. I know Cyrus Mitchell just dropped it right against Florida. Now, I'm certain Clay and many others like him, and I don't know Clay specifically has said this. I just know I've heard thousands of people, state fans and and, and everything on social media have said, oh, well, if he'd caught that pass, they would have beaten Florida. Would have changed the whole thing. They would have beaten Florida had he caught that pass and they go up like that. Okay. Well, can you can we can we say that in one breath and then turn around here in the next breath and really hold it against the coach and his staff for not beating Florida? 
<laughs> Which one is it? <clears throat> That's all I'm saying. A lot of the same people. Fire him! We should have won 10 games last year. We'll also tell you, oh yeah, if, if, if he'd caught that pass against Florida, they'd have beat them. Well, you want the coach to go out there and catch it? <laughs> Think about it. Tell me I'm crazy. Miko. I just want some of that. 2014. Come on. Give me some more of that. Give me some more of that. Well, you know, it was fun. That was fun for a while. For five weeks, that was a lot of fun. The coolest part for me is neither having a t- had been lucky enough to attend either Ole Miss or State was that both teams are doing well. So everybody was everybody right. was pumped. It was right. Great. Yeah. And, buddy, Roger, if you don't think that has an effect on local businesses. <laughs> well, I imagine. Mm. I mean, people, you let both fan bases get really happy all at the same time. They spend money and travel and buy stuff and go out to eat <laughs> and buy car tags and everything else. That's a great stat. Now, I'm sure we could get that, couldn't we? Buy season tickets. Well, season tickets would be a great indicator also. But, Roger, what if we could get stats for – for the, has that, yeah. the um, what do you call them? That the economic uh, impact? The, no, the personalized license plates. Oh, just that. Just the people that bought that. Normally, you're just getting a tag, but you go out here and you spend that sixty, seventy bucks to make sure you have a Mississippi State tag or an yeah. Ole Miss tag. How many more of those did we sell in 2014 or the year after? Or just whatever it is. I'd love to know. Miko on the text line says. Watching Jeffrey Simmons play Sunday was like watching old 92 Reggie White. And he says, I agree with you, Matt. That young man is destined for the NFL Hall of Fame. If Jeffrey Simmons stays healthy, he is going to be a Hall of Famer. Moose Dog. That's it. He gave me the song. Bill, we're laughing with you, man. We're not laughing at you. We're laughing with you. (laughs) Um. Other players, we were talking about these that are that are kind of branded in their worst moments, and therefore a lot of people say that you should never be able to kind of outlive it. Nick gives us the examples of Randy Moss and Allen Iverson. Thank you. All right. Let's see. Aqua Pro Exterior Services on the text yeah, he line. Says he got a few more licks in, didn't he? Okay, he says, Matt, you said Jeffrey Simmons landed a punch. Just rewatched the video. He landed about seven hard punches on a female who was already on the ground, defenseless. And I don't agree. I mean, I don't disagree. She was on the ground. But what I would say is, again, what is a fact, um, this is from Jose. Jose, if if he wanted to knock her unconscious, could he have done it? And, I mean, you're looking at it. It's not like he was in the brawl. He just lost his mind there for a bit and went, Almost like your older brother putting a knot on your head. Should he have done it? No. Is it excusable? No. Let's see. Yeah, it was. We were talking about the the tonsil thing. It's a stepdad. Um, that was a stepdad. Okay, so not real father, but a stepfather. Okay, another. Let's see. Three Hump Camel says another great Willie Nelson song is "Angel Flying Too Close to the Ground." Oh, that's a good one. I see. I don't. I'm. I got to get familiar with that. I'm not really. I can't hum it or sing it right off the top of my head. So it's a. It's a. It's a reflective number. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, here's a couple of comments on the Facebook feed. One from Junior. He says, "You're right, Matt. Joe put us in a position to win, but we dropped two passes that would have given us." 10 wins and it's true 
So you have a drop pass in a Florida game. Most people, I don't know that this is entirely accurate just to say that, well, if you catch that, you definitely win the Florida game. I don't know. We'll never know. Yeah, most people believe that. But and it's one big play for sure, wide open touchdown. But if you'll remember, yeah, it happened again in the bowl game, right? Nick Fitzgerald, uh, a little late across the middle, but fires it in there, a 99-mile-an-hour fastball from about 20 yards out, and it hits Stephen Guidry in the end zone. Bam! If he catches it, it's touchdown, you win the game. Instead, he missed it, or he didn't catch it. It popped up in the air and was intercepted because he bobbled it. So um, how about that? How, how about how close that is for your margin? He uh, Junior also said, guess what? Dan won 10. What, in year two? No, I think he won, he won nine in year two. Let's see, Dan won 10 games the year before. I, I'm, I can't read it. Junior, I think you have a typo in there, and I'm sorry for everyone as I fumbled around with that. Um, I was trying to get it, but I think there's a typo in there. Uh, and then Roman also said on Facebook, that's correct. At some point, it has to be on the players not executing on the field, too. Yeah, I mean, it's everybody. You know, in reality, it's never just one person. It's never just one thing. Why you win or lose. There's there's a million things that have to be all done in unison, in succession, in order for you know it to work. Listen, I wanted to also tell you real quick, and we'll have some time to get into this hour number two. You know, we were talking about State's offensive line yesterday. And so I started the process yesterday of going back and watching some stuff specifically in the run game, trying to figure it out. And, again, I'm not a coach. Coaches know the X's and O's uh, much better than I do. But I have a clue on that stuff. And the um, one thing I did notice in the LSU deal, I watched the first half. I still got to get back to the second half and then go back to Tennessee, and I'll do that maybe tonight or tomorrow. But in that first half against LSU, you know, they didn't pop any big runs. But if you remember, they moved the ball some, had some first downs, and, of course, had the one scoring drive. And there were some run plays in there that um, there were safeties and linebackers making a lot of plays. You know, I noticed early on in that first drive um, and on their second possession, Grant Delpit, number seven for LSU, the safety, was doing a whole lot of walking down and down to the line to the edge you know on, on, of the line of scrimmage on one side or the other and then you're blocking there they were in a three man front a lot to start that game and then they kind of switch it up on you some but you'd have three down linemen a de- stand up defensive end linebacker on one side walk up so kind of three man front four man front when your offensive line was doing a pretty good job blocking those guys blocking the right people but often it would be a linebacker or that safety, Grant Delpit, who would then come down into the box or walk down on the edge or run in there and make a play. And it wasn't so much the offensive line letting people through. So it was kind of the whole effort. I noticed that a lot. And on State's scoring drive, they took advantage of that. Like the big pass play to Stephen Guidry, they kind of took advantage of that aggressive safety coming down and linebackers coming up because they play fake and then threw it behind them. They just didn't figure that stuff out quite enough. And so, just to let you know, I'm, I'm going back and looking. I'm trying to get a gauge and maybe get a little better idea of what's been happening these last two games. It's really hurt State's running game. We'll figure it out. Doesn't matter if we do, though. They have to. Stick around. Hour two coming up. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show.